0: Are you tired of mile long email chains with constant back and forth that don't accomplish anything? Or do your emails get consistently ignored? If you answered yes to either of these questions, then you'll want to join Naman and Jenny Ray on this episode for a special email writing workshop. Naman and Jenny Ray share a strategy for writing powerful emails that build trust, drive action and remove friction. There's lots of incredible tips and best practices to put in place to make your email communication more effective. This training was actually part of a free monthly webinar series. You can register for the next one at the link in the show notes. All right, let's get into this episode with Naman and Jenny Ray.
1: Really excited to to be here today and talk about email communication because a lot of us present maybe once a week, once a month, once a quarter, uh, where maybe uh, you know, in meetings, you know, multiple times a week, uh, but may it not always be leading those meetings. We are sending hundreds of emails a day. So, if there is one medium that we need to master when it comes to communication, if there's one medium where we really need to make sure that our communication is as clear as possible, it's email. Uh, and the way that we teach email writing is through the pyramid principle. And for those of you who haven't joined us on uh, prior calls, we'll we'll send the recordings out of those calls so you can get caught up on what pyramid principle is. But at a high level, pyramid principle tells us that we number one, lead our communication with our key takeaway. And number two, tell a shorter, more curated story that includes only the relevant data that reinforces the key takeaway that we're bringing to the table that day. And so the two high-level tenets of Pyramid Principle are, number one, you lead with a key takeaway. Number two, you support that takeaway with the right data, not all the data. So that's going to be the lens that we're using to walk through uh, our teaching on, on emails today. And the first reason why this is so critical for us to understand and why this is so important to Jenny Ray and I and and why we built this training after our own experience, uh, very similar to how actually AWS started as an internal solution before they started selling it externally is because of this right here. And and that's that our perceived credibility is based 76% on the way that we structure our communication and only 24% uh, on, on what we actually say. And let me just repeat that so everybody understands. Say 76- for the people in the back, seven 76 percent of our perceived credibility comes from how we say what we say, and only a quarter of our perceived credibility comes from what we're actually saying. And what I find, even this morning when I was working with uh, folks from a, a you know uh, from an organization that we're partnering with, what I find is that we spend so much time focused on what we're saying that we ignore how we're saying it. And, and in the, the the presentation that I was working through this morning with a, a senior leader at a, at a large organization, the, the content was fantastic, but it was really difficult for me to follow the implications of that content because there was no story and no structure that was put around the content that they had. And so there was a disconnect between how they were gonna be perceived the structure of their communication and what they thought was most important, which was the content. And so uh, this isn't a made up stat. I didn't just make it up to support my point. This is based off of a study that was recently published in the Harvard Business Review. And so you can go and look that up and and verify for yourself that, that what we're telling you today is true in terms of your perceived credibility.
2: And yeah. Naman, I know you're going to talk about this related to emails, but can I just bring a, an insight that we've had this last quarter, I think, as we've been working with some of the schools that we're working with, we've done a lot of case competition trainings in the schools. And um, so everybody is sitting there trying to figure out the best information and the greatest insight and build this amazing model. And, and our general... The, the truth that we tell them, which they don't believe until they experience it, is that a great story, simply well told, will beat great content every day. And so that's really the port that we're putting over into emails, is that the the ma- maximum amount of information, not the point, the highest quality of information, still not the point. We're, we're not saying that you fudge it, or that you like are, are eroding the value of that. But that a great structure is the only way that people will receive a great story. And so if you have great content, and you don't have great structure, you get a zero, 100% of the time. Um, The only way you get credit for your work is if you have both. And so I think that's that I just want to highlight that in another setting, where we've been seeing that over and over again. And we get these like great data rich presentations that have no arc, no story, no answer. We even did one with our strategy sprint last week. And I was the partner on that project. And I met with all the teams on Thursday. And I was like, great work. And it's terrible. Right. Uh, And so I had them all redo in 24 hours the storyline because the structure didn't exist. So just wanted to bring that in from a couple of other places that we've talked about it as well.
1: The best story always wins. And and that's true across all settings. Uh, My background is in political communication. Look at uh, candidates that are running for any office. It's rarely the best candidate that wins. It's the candidate with the clearest message that wins. Uh, Look at uh, look at the stock market. Uh, what are the the stocks that outperform indexes and uh, you know their competition? Uh, it, it are they are stocks that are supported by the best and the clearest and the most compelling story, right? If you look at Tesla's performance over the last 10 years, I would call Tesla a story stock. Uh, the the market cap of Tesla didn't necessarily uh, correlate with the business performance of Tesla at that time. Uh, And so uh, no matter where you're playing, where you're working, what you're communicating, the best story always wins. Uh, And so that's what we're here to to try and impart to you today is the ability to tell the clearest and the best story. And if you can marry that with the best content, more power to you. Uh, But a better story will be better content almost every single time. So here are our two recommended structures for writing a clear email we're just going to give you the templates right here uh, and then we're going to work through uh, writing an email in one of these two templates as we move towards uh, the end of our time together today but there are two main types of emails that i would recommend uh, that you send and if your emails don't fit within one of these two structures then i would really push back on if there's a reason for you to send that email and we'll talk about that in just a minute so the two types of emails that i'd recommend you send are answer first And answer last. Let's start with answer first on the left-hand side of this slide. An answer first email is when you're looking to drive action from the email itself. There's some action that you want your audience or your stakeholders to take. And so let's start from the very beginning, the very top, the subject line. I saw a couple people mention the subject line as a pain point inside the chat uh, as we were starting this conversation around emails. One of the things that we found really, really beneficial at Management Consulted and with some of our partner organizations is instituting a tagging method to our emails. And so uh, there are three tags that we use internally for our team as we're sending emails. There's an action tab tag, uh, a meeting tag, and then an info or an update tag. And so inside of my subject line in brackets, before I get to my subject line, The first thing that I include in in brackets is either an A, an I, or an M. And our team internally knows what A, I, and M stand for. uh, But if you need to, to build that out a little bit, A is action, I is information, and M is meeting. And so just from the beginning of the subject line, my audience and my stakeholders understand what it is that they're gonna be asked to do coming coming out of that particular email. And if if you use your inbox as a to-do list, if you're looking at your inbox from like a 30,000 foot view, it helps you triage your day, your week, and your month because you can see, okay, I'm gonna click on the action requested, the action-oriented emails first, and I'll catch up on all my update emails at the end of the day. Or um, never. Or never, you're, <laughs> well, you're able to, first you're able to, to help your audience focus, I like to say clarity is kindness. So the clearer you are, the kinder you're being to your audience. But if you build a reputation for sending emails that are meaningful, whether they're action or update oriented, even your update emails will get read. Uh, But if you haven't built a reputation as someone who always sends meaningful emails, then yeah, your update emails won't get read. So one of, one of our goals today is to help you build a reputation either internally or externally where people know, okay, every time Jenny Rae sends me an email, there's something in there I need to, to know or I need to do. So I'm going to open the emails that she sends me, but I'm going to maybe open the update emails a little bit later. But if she hasn't built that reputation with me, then yeah, I'm absolutely going to ignore the update emails. So one of our goals today is to not just help you drive faster action, not just help you clarify for yourself what you wanna communicate, but actually help you enhance your reputation with the stakeholders that you're interfacing with. So let's let us dive a little bit deeper now into this action-oriented email here on the left-hand side of the slide. So I start it with a tag, start the subject line with a tag, Action requested is my preferred way of doing that. I think action required is a little bit of a stronger tone. And maybe with people you work with often, that can work well. Uh, But with folks who you don't have that kind of relationship with, I like to soften it a little bit and say action requested, or maybe just even action. And then after the brackets, my subject line is my ask. So the content of my subject line is exactly what I'm going to ask for in the email. We'll skip over name, I think we we all know what, what name is. I'll skip over that. And I, and I wanna get to this point here that I think is critical. Writing an email in this format is not an excuse to be rude and doesn't require you to be rude. So if I'm writing Jenny Ray an email, I can write her an email, I can say, Jenny Ray, I hope you had a great weekend. Jenny Ray, I hope you're gearing up for a wonderful Thanksgiving. I, I hope your week is off to a great start, right? This type of structure does not preclude me from including pleasantries inside of my email communication, but it does focus me and give me a structure to operate within. So, my first line can include her name and include whatever small talk or pleasantry I want to include. And then after that, I get right to my specific ask. Well, here's why I'm writing you this email. There's something I'd like you to do. Jenny Ray, can you please review the deck for Tuesday's email? call by Monday at 5pm. What is it that I'm asking you to do? And I'm going to give you a deadline associated with the action. One of the secrets I found to effective communication is everything should include a deadline, even if it's 100% arbitrary. Again, what am I doing? I I am helping my audience, my stakeholders plan and triage their days and their weeks and I'm being really, really clear with what I'm asking for and by when I need it. If I don't include a deadline, there's a critical component to the action that's missing, which is the timeline. So do the thinking for your audience and give them a deadline, give them a timeline. Underneath that specific ask, I include two to three bullet points that really touch on two two different themes, either, why that ask is important for January to complete by Monday at 5 pm and or how she can execute it. So sometimes our audience needs to know why we're asking them to do what we're asking them to do so that they can understand the importance of it. And often they also need to understand how they need to do what' we're, what they're being asked to do. So those two to three need to know facts can answer two questions: the why and the how. And I really limit myself to a maximum of three need to know facts. Uh, those of you who are on this call that have been in our kind of eight hour, like full blown corporate trainings know this well, uh, that we are big believers in the rule of three. If you, think of, if you think of stories that you've grown up interacting with, you think of the theater, you think of Hollywood, um, if you think of numbers that you have memorized, whether they're credit card numbers or phone numbers, You'll find that Hollywood and the arts theater tell stories in three act structures. Human beings are wired to respond to stories in parts of three. And if you think through the phone numbers and the credit card numbers you have memorized, chances are you've got them memorized in sets of three to four digits. There's something about the rule of three that ensures your story remains sticky and is able to be digested by your audience. You give me eight bullet points, I'm gonna ignore all of them. You give me three, okay, I can digest that and I can understand why you need me to do what I'm at what you're asking me to do. After those bullet points, you're gonna end with next steps. So in my hypothetical example for Jenny Ray here, next steps might be, you know, Jenny Ray, can you please, you know, uh, respond to the comments I left in the slides and align with me on right, how we want to open and close the conversation, right? And and I've left you comments and questions inside the deck. right, and can you please return the deck to me again by Monday, 5 p.m.? right, thanks so much, Naman. I'm going to get really tactical at the end of my email and end with whatever the next steps are that help the person action the request that I've made at the beginning of the email. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point but it's not rude. And so if I if I believe that I can drive action within 2 to 3 email exchanges then I send an email like that. If I don't think that the person is going to be willing or able to respond positively to my to my request within 2 to 3 emails then I send the same email, but instead of asking them to do something, I ask them for a short meeting. The request becomes for a meeting. And then I come to the meeting with an agenda that includes what my ask is, why that's my ask, and what the next steps would be coming out of that meeting. But we hash it out over a five to 15 minute conversation. I found that to be much more efficient than the 10, 20, 100, email chains that we're all on that go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's how you write an answer first or action-oriented email. Let's quickly talk about why and how you'd write an update-oriented email, and then I'll address a couple of special scenarios. So an update-oriented email is for communication where you are just sharing information or an update, there's no immediate action attached to it. So maybe it's a uh, recap or, or a review of a project. Maybe it's a, a, a you know an update email you're sending a supervisor. Maybe you're just checking in with a client and letting them know what's been done over the last week or the last quarter and what the implications of that that are moving forward. There's nothing you need from them, but it's just information that's important for them to know. couple of key differences between an update and an action oriented email. The first key difference is that your your headline, your key message is now not a request for an action, but it is why you are sending the message that you're sending. The key message is, here's why this is important for you to know. So that becomes my subject line. And that also becomes the first line of my email. The bullet points underneath that first line then become the actual heart of the update. What are the two to three need-to-know facts that comprise the update? What's the data? What, what, What is the information that is so important for you to know? Here it is in bulleted format, easy for you to digest, hopefully categorized, and easy for you to read even on a mobile phone. After those bullet points, I still end with next steps, They're just mine. So as a result of this information, as a result of this update, here's what I'm going to do next week. Here's what the next phase of the engagement looks like. Here's what changes uh, moving forward in terms of this project. There's nothing I need from you, but here's what I'm doing as a result of this. What a fantastic way to build trust with senior leaders, with managers, and with clients. Giving them visibility into what's happening, being transparent about what you're going to do next, and giving them a chance to confirm or readjust your thinking if they want, but really sending the message, hey, everything's okay, I've got this, leave me the heck alone." That's really the reason you'd send an update-oriented email. And If you're relatively new inside of a team or an organization, one of our recommendations for you is that you write this kind of email every day, your first 90 days on the job. I wouldn't send it every day, but I would write it every day to ensure that the work that you're doing aligns with what your stakeholders find important and with the overall mission and goals of the team or of your leaders. And I'd probably send an email like this once a week for my first three months on the job and build a reputation as someone who is transparent, someone who's thinking about the implications of my work, uh, someone who's thinking about what the next steps are going to be for me moving forward, and someone who's giving uh, my supervisors, my leaders, a chance to confirm or readjust my thinking if they want to. And you'll find after three months, you would have built an incredible amount of trust. And instead of me as a leader feeling anxiety when I don't hear from you, you would have built a reputation as someone who's on top of their stuff, someone who's thinking about the implications of their work and someone who understands the importance of what they're doing. And I won't need to see this email after your first three months on my team, but that'll really just enhance your influence your effectiveness and the trust that you're building inside of a team or a relationship uh, just by sending a, a, a simple email like this.
0: His strategy simplified, taking a really quick break here from this episode to invite you to join the professionals at Hershey, American Express, eBay, and over 50 other organizations who work with management consultant to improve the effectiveness of their communication. Our team will help you win the trust of key stakeholders and clients Deliver a message that drives action and alignment and advance your team's agenda. Schedule a free 15 minute call with a member of our team to learn more about a tailored training for your organization or for yourself. Link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's get back to the episode.
1: Now I'm sure that that some of you are thinking, okay, this all sounds great, but I'm, there's a couple of special scenarios here that I want to bring up. Uh, and so here are here are a couple of, of scenarios that I that I often hear when we're we're talking about email communication. The first is I'm often sending emails to large groups of stakeholders and it's very easy for the group to to go off on rabbit trails. And the original email that I sent with the original ask is not where the conversation ends up going on the thread. What do I do if that ends up being the case? Couple of ideas for you. The first is to set up a a shared doc that you can invite people to, to leave comments, questions and updates on that dynamically updates as a reference for folks along that topic. So instead of going back and forth in an email a hundred times, if you know you're going to be requesting feedback from a lot of people, or if you know that that the conversation is going to go down rabbit trails, you can initially set up a, a Google Doc or another type of, of shared document that invites people to leave feedback in one place, where it's easy to categorize and easy for everybody to follow. I've even in the past set up a Google Doc where I've Beforehand, like left, uh, left a specific number of lines for each person that's on the email chain, so that just psychologically, like they know they've got two lines to leave their questions or their comments, uh, instead of just an open-ended doc that's you know an infinite number of pages long. So one solution or potential solution to maybe some of the rabbit trails you're seeing in email chains is to set up a, a shared doc ahead of time. Another one is to be the instigator of a new email chain when uh, the subject changes. Uh, And I found a great way to do this is just when I reply to an email to just change the subject line. And it, it shows up in my inbox now as a new conversation and reminds everybody about what the ask has now become for this particular topic or this conversation. So food for thought there just in terms of a couple ways that you can control and wrangle some of the large stakeholder groups that you're emailing uh you know as you move throughout your week. I'm going to pause there and I'll just let Jenny Ray speak to speak to this if there's an anecdote or insights that she'd like to share.
2: I just think the key here, we, we just spent a ton of time on this slide, right? Like 15 minutes on the slide. That's a long time for y'all in the presentation to be listening to it. Um, so I just want to layer on one thing. Um, the, the number one job when you're writing an email is to figure out what the action is that needs to happen after it. So And, and then the second job is to figure out whose action it is. Right? Is it your action or is it somebody else's action? So if you need them to give you something, if you need an approval, if you need budget, if you need input, if you need whatever, then make sure that it is an action-oriented email. There really isn't another way to do that kind of email. If you need something from somebody and your work is going to be held up until that is done, that's it, right? So first job is what needs to happen. And second job is who needs to have it happen. If the job is yours and you're basically like, look, I want to let you know that I'm adding value, I'm doing great work, and I'm just charging along, stop me, uh, but otherwise I'm on my way, then then the second format is the right one to do. So really answering those two questions. What is the action that has to happen out of this email? And then, um, you know, whose action is it? And, and really, if one of those two things isn't in play, if there is no action from either them or from you, don't send the email. Like part of your job for sending better emails is to send only the emails that really need to be sent. Uh, and so Naman really layered on how to write a great email, how to explain the differences. But I just wanted to make sure I called those to attention.
1: Yeah. Well, Jenny you're jumping ahead, right? There's only three reasons to write an email. And here they are, uh, right? Either I can drive immediate action. If I can't drive immediate action, but still need to drive some kind of action, I set up a meeting or I'm building trust. And I'm just say, hey, like like you said, I'm charging a along, along. put up the stop sign if you want. But if you don't, I'm going to keep on going. Uh, And if your emails don't fit one of these three purposes, we'd really challenge whether that email needs to be sent at all. And so you're right. uh, It's important to know how to write the email, but it's just as important, if not more important, important, to understand what email to write to begin with. Uh, So short reminders for everybody, just on one slide. Uh, If you're writing an email, make sure it's titled explicitly. To Jenny Ray's point, make one specific ask at the beginning. If you're going to ask me for... Generally speaking, multiple things, I will get distracted and not give you anything that you want. Uh, follow the rule of threes, give me uh, three bullet points with the data I need to either understand why your request is important or how to execute it, and then provide a deadline. If you're checking these four boxes, you're ahead of 99% of people who we work with in terms of email communication, you're gonna find that you get faster and better responses to the emails that you're sending. I want to share with everybody just really, really briefly an example of a sales email that one of our clients received. Uh, And so you'll see this example here on the slide. And if you all just want to pop in chat what you like or don't like about the email, let's take 60 seconds to digest this. There's a lot going on here. Let's see what we got. Someone says too many words.
2: Mon, you give us a cue in the title. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey. nobody has the psychological safety to say that this is a great email, the best they've ever read.
1: <laughs> I'm liking what I'm seeing here. Uh, in the chat and some themes that I'll just call out. There's a a lot of text. Too much. Mm -hmm. There are grammar mistakes. I would have stopped reading this email after the first word because the I is not capitalized. Uh, If you're, we had people asking us about cold emails. Uh, If you open an email by telling me your name, all that tells me is that I don't know you and I stop reading. So if you are doing any kind of networking or cold sales outreach, I wouldn't start with my name uh the bolding is confusing there's a lot of it there is a lot of jargon Too much, right
2: yeah how how much bolding is the right amount of bolding mm.
1: so for me i've often found that it can that the most helpful thing to bold inside of an email is the deadline just to anchor people on what the the, the kind of timing guidance is for the request but outside of that i don't do much bolding at all
2: yeah, I'd say one to two bolding, if, if not just the deadline, always the deadline, but um, then maybe the action too, if there's a specific action. If there's three actions that you don't bold all of those, you just bold the deadline.
1: But here the bolding has lost its power because there's too much of it. Uh, I, I talked to this particular client and he didn't understand what some of the jargon was inside of this email. So he did not know what CMMI meant. Uh, beware of the curse of knowledge. That's not a new concept, but I'll just very, very quickly explain it for folks on here who aren't familiar, Uh, which is, right, in this example, Sophia's level of knowledge in her industry is like nine out of 10, like she's very knowledgeable. And David, who she's writing here, probably has a two or a three out of 10 knowledge level on the same domain. So she thinks that she's dumbed her message down to like a five out of 10 uh, in terms of expertise. And she's like, I'm making this really clear. My level of understanding is at a nine. I'm communicating at a five without realizing that David's level of understanding is at a two or a three and it's still way over his head. So beware of the curse of knowledge. You know more about what you're writing about than probably your stakeholders and your audience do. So keep a critical eye out for jargon that you're using, for specialized language that you're using that is second nature to you, but may not be second nature to your audience. And, And really try and and simplify and distill your message down to where anybody could understand what it is you're asking them to do. Bullet points here are also weird. They've got a line through them, makes it look like a negative. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on here in this email. Uh, you've also got the ask at the very bottom, which I never would have gotten to. Uh, and and the ask to me is a very presumptuous one, which is, hey, can you find 30 minutes in your calendar to talk to me? If I'm the one initiating the outreach, the communication, I'm going to do as much work as possible. And I want to help my prospect, my client, my stakeholder find a time instead of have them dig through their calendar to find 30 minutes. So here's how I rewrote it. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's much better. And there's a lot of information uh, that I, I thought Sophia should have included that she didn't. I think one of the the, the the downsides to the email I showed you is not just that there was a lot of information, but she shared the wrong information that would have gotten me to say yes to the request, which is for a call. And so I highlighted in yellow the information that I actually would have shared if I was Sophia to try and get David to talk to me. Uh, and so beware also of not just cutting content for the sake of cutting content, it's not just about this is not just about sending short emails, it's about sending short emails and include the right information. And for each request, for each stakeholder, the right information may be a little bit different. Some, Jenny Ray may need to know something different to say yes to your request than I will have to know. Uh, And so putting yourself in your stakeholder's shoes, thinking about their job function, their their title, where they sit inside the organization, how they're managed uh, and the the KPIs that they're measured by will help you understand what will be important to them uh, relative to the request that you're making. Overall, we found that specificity drives action. So the more specific you can be with the request that you're making, the more specific that you can be with the the time and the day you're asking for a meeting, the more likely you are to get a favorable response. So three quick examples. In the venture capital world, if everything else is equal, you're more likely to get funded if you ask for $1.15 million than if you ask for around a million. Why? You're asking for what's perceived as a more specific number, even though it's higher, and it sends the message that there's a purpose to every dollar you're asking for. Folks that who are experiencing homelessness are more likely to get a favorable response from all of us if they ask us for a dollar fifty for a cup of coffee, than if they just ask us for loose change. The more specific they are, the more likely we are to respond favorably. The same is true with with charities and nonprofit organizations. If you'll notice, with the organizations that you support over the last decade, they've gotten much better at tying your donation to a specific outcome. This is going to put school supplies in one backpack for one month. And they've also gotten much bolder at asking for what I would consider weird dollar amounts. Like A lot of the organizations that, that my wife and I support, we used to support them at like $30 a month. And now it's like $33 a month. Now it's like $42 a month. Part of that is because expenses have gone up. But part of that is because they they're tapping into this behavioral psychology that the more specific they can be with the request, the more likely they are to get a yes from me. And so keep that in mind as you're you're putting your your emails together. Specific requests, specific uh, timing guidance it will be uh, more likely to get you a quicker and a better response. Well, I want to give folks uh, three to four minutes here in the session to write or rewrite a draft email you need to send this week. Maybe you've been putting off writing an email because it's it's going to take too much thought or because uh, you know there's a lot you have to pull together to, to um, write in a concise and clear way. We want to give you a few minutes here just to, to work on that now. Uh, and then we'll end with a short discussion and Q&A. Maybe you just even run into challenges here over the next three to four minutes as you're writing a draft email and you wanna workshop through those with us, we'll give you an opportunity to do that here uh, in just a couple of minutes. So I'm gonna put three minutes on the clock, give you a chance to apply this immediately, and then we will move on. All right, that's three minutes. So hopefully you made some good progress on structuring or rewriting an email that you have to send later today. Liz, do you want to share uh your email in the chat if if you don't mind and, and uh we can take a quick look at it?
3: Or you want me to just copy and paste it in the chat? Yeah,
1: yeah if you yeah. don't mind. And as you're doing that, uh is there additional context that we need to know around who the stakeholders are, any any kind of historical relationship that would be helpful for us to be aware of?
3: Sure. So this is a um a follow up on um a deadline that was provided in our prior meeting for submission of topic outlines. Uh, They're all contributors towards um, uh, uh, various training topics that they've each been assigned to tackle, essentially. And the deadline is, is coming due this Friday. But out of that meeting, there were these three action items um and the I've got the very first one uh being high priority, that's the one we absolutely need for this Friday. Um is that enough of a,
2: yeah, of a that's context? Helpful. Yeah, I yeah,
1: okay. would love to take a look at the the content. Or we'll take just so a minute to see here.
3: Absolutely. I'm just uh, going to pop it in here. Oh, um and I choose everyone. Is that is that right, or
1: just yeah, that's, you? That's, uh if you, if you're okay with everyone seeing it, which I think you are, then yes.
3: Yeah. yeah. I don't, there's nothing, um, tell me if this. Came through.
1: Yep. There it is. Okay,
3: great. okay. And I have to say that the subject line I chose or I chose to, uh, write is in in square brackets, action items. That's what I was referring to a while ago. Action items. Uh provide topic outline by November 17th. Like I, I highlighted the most um uh pressing of deadlines. Um, and then you know, in reference to development of of uh go-to-market trainings. So action items provide topic outline by November 17th. Um, um and development of of go to
1: market trainings might be too long. but. Okay, wonderful. Is I, I couple changes I'd recommend here. Uh sure. I think that I'd elevate the. I, I would I would bucket the ask because you've really got two specific asks here. It's the outline and it's the key contact. Yeah. So so I'd say, team, you know, as you know as per what we agreed to in our call, you can even skip that, just say team, just a friendly reminder. Yeah. Please complete the the following two action items by this Friday, November 17th. Okay. And All both
3: right, of okay.
1: Yeah, first provide your outline here. Maybe it's a hyperlink, right? And right. then yeah. on slide four. Yeah. And, and I think one way you can clarify, Liz, the ask is not give people too many options. So you here you're giving them the option to input it themselves or send it to you. And, and, uh, I, and, and I just, I, I just let them input it themselves. Okay. So,
3: and if they have issue, they know to contact me they, anyway. They know to contact
1: so. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Sorry. then the, the second one would be identify key contact for your, your topic group, or right. maybe identify key contact and potential SMEs for your topic group. And I'm not sure if if everybody needs to know the following key contacts you already have.
3: And they'll see it anyways when they go um, into through that link to the document. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. And then I'd probably include like that last bullet point as like a sentence outside of the structure of the bullet points. Okay. And I just say, I would just say almost as a next step, right? Like in addition, if you experience any other issues in regards to completing content by mid-December, right. please let me know.
3: Okay, yeah, nice. Got it.
1: And I think we were able to, to maybe cut that in half and, and increase the clarity as well.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that, thank
1: you. Absolutely. Thanks for for sharing your work with us.
3: No problem. My
1: pleasure. So that's that's just a, a quick preview of what happens in in the one on one kind of sessions that we do, uh, with our with our partners and our clients. Is you bring a deliverable and we take thirty minutes and we just workshop it, whether it's a presentation, an email, a meeting agenda, etc. Um,
2: well, Naman, no, I have one I have one poll that I'd love to pop up for a second, just out of curiosity. Is that all right if I put that up? Yeah, for sure. Okay, amazing. Um, So after after today's session, we've given you all a little bit of an introduction. Just curious if you would be interested in a, a... you know, If you're just here to learn, that's great. We do these on purpose for that. Um, but if you're interested in a group training, uh, joining one seat, if you're interested in a group training, um, hosting us inside your organization, or if you're interested in a solo training, working uh, one-on-one, we can't see who's answering this. We're just kind of curious to figure out where you are as an audience um, that will help us continue to build great trainings going forward.
1: Wonderful. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. Really enjoyed this conversation. Uh if again you would like more help with your emails or other communication, please reach out. We'd love to help. Otherwise, we'll see you on next month's training. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday.
0: If you enjoyed this episode with Naman and Jenny Ray, and check out the link in the show notes to register for a future communication training workshop. These are free. We do about one a month. Link in the show notes to register. In addition, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does help boost us in the algorithms and help get the word out to more potential listeners. Thank you in advance and we'll catch you again for another episode of Strategy Simplified soon.